plays along, but the good folks over at Thorium Wealth. Check them out online, thoriumwealth.com for more information, full disclosures, T-H-O-R-I-U-M, wealth.com. Our thanks to them. We're also brought to you tonight by Second String Sports and Stewart's Draft, secondstringsports.com, second with a two. Our thanks to them for their support of this show. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of catscorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, March the 3rd. Uh, Virginia is... Uh, playing a game tomorrow night, so we couldn't record on Wednesday. And and one of our panelists had a really good idea about maybe doing it before then, as opposed to waiting. Um, I think part of it because the UVA fan in him said that they might lose, and we <laughs> and we might want to have the show out before that. Um, but in terms of content, it actually worked a lot better. Uh, we are going to talk about Virginia's um, pretty solid victory over then number seven Duke on Saturday. We'll preview the matchup in Miami. And we'll also, because this will be the one time we record between now and the weekend, we'll talk about Virginia's regular season finale at home uh, against Louisville. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Um, up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. He has avoided influenza B. He's triumphed over the evil. How's it going, buddy? <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I will be sponsored by uh, Tamiflu this week. Appreciate you, uh, <laughs> Keeping me, Tamiflu and a in-law suite in your basement is your best friend during flu season. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Reston, staff writer Justin Ferber also on the program. What's up, dude? Uh, I'm good. Uh, my endorsement deal with the Mike Bloomberg campaign fell through at the last minute. Uh, wah, wah, bah, bah. Yeah, that's, that's too bad. Um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. But I do actually have something really quick before we get started. Oh, God. Um so our friend Kyle that we saw on Saturday before the game, oh God. Uh, he's had this like really weird streak of winning the coaches, whatever the coaches show trivia thing. He won it like three, yeah. four times in a row. Right. Uh, which is really weird that, that he does that every week. Um, and apparently he's gone like two or three weeks without winning. So I'm going to give him a trivia question now. And if he listens, he can he can tweet oh at God. me with the answer. Oh, my God. Uh, to win nothing. To win absolutely nothing. To win just um, your, uh, your, 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 uh, your own uh, pat on the back. Yeah, exactly. How about a yearly subscription to the Cats Corner podcast? <laughs> yeah, so we will get you a subscription to the podcast, yeah. Kyle. Yeah, if you get, if you get this year question right. to the podcast only, not the website. Before you give this question, do do you know how many people though are probably going to just at you on Twitter? For the record, not me, no, not I mean, Dave. If anybody just, knows the answer to this, they can they just can Ferber. Tweet it too. Okay, but not to me and not to Dave to Ferber. Okay? <laughs> okay, pay attention to the rules of the game. If you say it to me or Dave, you are incorrect, and we don't care. <laughs> But this is specifically Ferber's baby, and he should uh, he should have to raise it to uh, adulthood and put it through college. All right, go ahead. Yeah, all right, so so this one doesn't have any correlation to anything. I was going to try to do something block-related after Jay Huff's outburst the other day, but I couldn't find anything really easy enough. Uh, so the question is, uh, who, which opponent, play, single player, had the most points against a Tony Bennett coach UVA team in a single game? And uh, can't wait to see if people get this right. All right. There you go. Trivia night brought to you by Staples. No. Um, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place to end game updates, content items. And do not at me with the trivia answers. Okay? Ferber, his Twitter handle, right? At Justin underscore Ferber. Okay? We got that all straight? We're good? Okay, cool. All right. So Cavaliers, look, man. Uh, same same stuff, different day. Um, they found a way to win. Uh, Mom and D.D. Kite scores with like 39 seconds to go. Um I thought it was really poetic. It was through a, uh, a flop. <laughs> that part actually made me laugh um, a lot. But uh, the Cavaliers then have to play some defense, and um, Trey Jones' shot goes off the back iron. Um, I, was I the only person that didn't think it was going in? Apparently everybody thought it was going in. I didn't think it was going in. Um, 
Dave, you did you get to watch this live? Did you were you still in the basement? Like, what was your I situation? Did, I did not get to watch it live. Um, actually, yeah, I worked till like we we close at six on Saturday, so and then I headed down to down towards Techland for the weekend. But um, so I listened. I, I tried to watch it on ACC Network on YouTube TV as the wife drove, but spotty cover. So I ended up listening to the second half. Um, I watched it in full on Sunday evening. Just as enjoyable, although. Um, like my radio stream, because like, I had the girls in the car when to make them listen to it. I was just streaming it. Um, it cut out between the exchange of layups under the final minute. So I just thought that there was a <laughs> nothing had really changed. So I was surprised to see Mommy hit that shot when I watched the replay. But no, it was, yeah. In the words of Larry Magical, it was a pretty magical night. <laughs> pretty magical night. <laughs> Magic, pretty. Um, so, Dave, as you, once you eventually got a chance to, yeah. you know, partake, um, sure. What did uh, what you think? What you th- what you think of them all? The Wahoos, huh? It's a good system we have, you know. I mean, <laughs> the whole pillars and the whole nine, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I was thinking <laughs> while I was watching. Well, you know, while I was rewatching it, like, you know, Duke's system is like just put more talent on the floor than the, guy, the other guy, and, and you know, and coach them, but you know, have more talent and let the talent win. And Virginia's system is to play tough defense and make everything you you do hard. Um, even for their offense at times, but it works for both programs. You know, they've got what's like eight or nine years of both having really good success. And you know, at the same time, um, Duke kind of taking the advantage over Virginia, but like just the grittiness, the team played hard. I thought the entire game, I think it was probably one of their most complete efforts as far as energy and, you know, um, aggressiveness on defense throughout an entire 40 minutes. Um, and they needed every bit of it. So, I would have been, I'll tell you, I didn't know anything about it until I rewatched it, but like if Trey Jones had hit that shot and they hadn't overturned it because Delorier stepped on the inbound line throwing it in, we'd probably be having a much more heated podcast right now. Because <laughs> he totally stepped on the end line. Um, you mean to tell me uh <laughs> you mean to tell me that if Virginia had lost the game because the ref gave Duke <laughs> a call, that our podcast wouldn't be so jovial? No. No yeah. way. No chance. Yeah, I know I it's hard to believe. About. But I don't know what you're talking about. Could be the flu be talking. <laughs> Could be the Tamiflu still coursing through your veins. Uh, Ferber, you were and I finally, I mean, Lord, it was like two months. I didn't even see you. Yeah. I expected you to have grown a beard or something. Um, nah, because that's how you get sick. So. <laughs> that's how you get the virus. Uh, I, I, I said it on radio. I'll say it again. Coronavirus can come at me, I'm, but the beard's not going anywhere. Um, I, I know that a lot of this game was – it's in, I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't say I know because it's just my opinion. But in my opinion, a lot of this game was somewhat frustrating in the sense that, like, you thought both te- – I mean, obviously both defenses very, very good. But you, I, I got the sense, and, and you tell me what, what you thought. I got the sense that there were more points out there for Virginia to score. Tony said something in the postgame like he wasn't sure if they could have generated. And I'm thinking – I think of several pos- situations where you could have. And I, I don't know if that's picking nits or if that's genuinely, you know, sort of the situation – as you walked away from that, did were you happy with what you saw from UVA offensively, given how well the defense played? Uh, it was enough. I mean, I, <laughs> sometimes yeah, enough's I, enough. I, I'm trying to think back on the individual like plays that they had to to not score when they had opportunities. Um, I mean, there was a number of turnovers, just like always. I forget how many they had exactly. I think it was like in the 15 range. Um, so I mean, obviously, that's a lot of missed opportunities. To me, it felt like they had a chance early in the second half um, to kind of 
find their footing because that was when Duke really, they, you know, early in the game, UVA got off to a really good start on offense, and then Duke got to a timeout, and they adjusted back. And I thought that they made some really good adjustments that took some, UVA some time to get over. And and there was a time where I thought UVA was breaking their press effectively, but the guys were just like in their own heads about when to go and when not to go. Um, and, I, I you know, I've had people tell me like, the the press isn't a problem and like you know they're getting through it they're not turning the ball over on the press but i mean even tony after the game said like he felt that he could feel the you know lack of comfort when they would get across half court thomas rolled a tensai had a possession i believe where he like tried to make a crazy pass or something and it didn't work and then on the next possession he kind of took a transition three and um you know Transition threes for UVA, like that'll make a coach's head explode. Um, and you could see he missed it, and I think they ended up fouling or something. And I remember Braxton Key looking at him, and and Walter Tensai hasn't really been in a lot of these spots, you know, against the pressure like that, um, especially against a talented team like Duke. And I just saw Braxton kind of give him the settle down with the two hands, like you know, you don't have to take every shot you see. Um, we need to kind of like work the ball around and and do our normal thing on offense. Um, And after that, I thought they settled in. But, yeah, I mean, there was a rut in the game where it felt like the game was there for the taking. And I know I said it to you a few times during the game, but it really felt like somebody was going to go on a 10-0 run. And it just never happened. Um, I mean, that's credit to the defenses, I guess. But um, neither team was really able to, uh, you know, really get after the other team, except for there was a stretch where UVA was down five or six, and then they kind of went on a little bit of a run to retake the lead. But I think even that run was like seven to two. It wasn't, you know, a big, long run. But I think a lot of that is because normally when these two teams play, both teams can shoot the ball really well and um, and take a lot of threes. And neither team really did that in this game, and, and which is always how it is against Duke. Um, they don't take a lot of threes, and neither does the opponent. Um, and I think you kind of saw, like, the, the barrage of threes and the big runs didn't happen because everybody was trying to work the ball inside and nobody could score against the interior defenses. Work the ball inside, Virginia. Sorry. Yeah, there was a, I mean, they yeah. definitely, I mean, you would think it's kind of counterintuitive because they have Vernon Carey in there guarding, you know, protecting the rim, but it, a teams very rarely take threes against Duke. Uh, I think part of it might just be the pressure they put on, and, and I know they run some zones, so maybe teams try to, like, get in the middle of that, but um, I think they were, like, third or fourth nationally in, or four, third or fourth lowest nationally in three-point attempts, you know, per opponent, like, by opponents, so. Right. I yeah, kind of, you, I yeah, at one Virginia point in the got, second half was like two for seven, like deep into the game. Yeah, yeah. I thought Virginia got kind of lucky early in the in the game when they were turning it over. Um, I want to say they had almost like eight or nine turnovers in the first half. But Duke had some good looks from three they missed. Like Duke had a chance to kind of make it a big gap early, um, especially with Virginia not even getting shots up on the other end. But they missed several threes, so kind of everything worked out, I guess. Yeah, I thought. You know, this is another game, right, where Virginia turns the ball over to high clip and then somehow, miraculously, doesn't actually get hurt by it. Now, you can make the argument that those are lost possessions for the offense, right? And I'm not going to argue with that because they absolutely are. But a lot of times, the problem is not just that you lost the opportunity to score. It's that the other team is scoring points off of your turnovers. UVA had 16 turnovers, sorry, 15 turnovers in this game and gave up a whopping three points off of them. Now... They controlled the glass. They were they shot the ball better from the floor and from three. Um, you know they didn't shoot as many free throws, but that's you know to be expected with a team like Duke and the offense they run. I thought that 
moving Diakite, basically letting Diakite handle carry on his own and getting away from the post trap really changed things. Um, I thought that was a significant sort of um, chess move, so to speak, in this one because what it did was it allowed, well, it really allowed Jay Huff to sort of just patrol. Um, and I'm not saying that Virginia shouldn't do any more post trapping because of this, but I think that that's definitely something to keep an eye on, especially when teams do have a, you know, an actual big man. Um, this really did. I mean, it was the perfect Jay Huff game. I mean, you know, he, it really played to his strengths and he really executed. Um, you know, I mentioned in my column on Monday that, you know, he's out there jacking up threes from like Crozet in pregame and making a lot of them. And I really thought like, man, he's, he's, he's in, you know, in a nice zone. And I, th- I find it hilarious then that in the game he missed his only technically his only he was he had his foot on the line of that first one he misses his only three point attempt um, and still finishes fifteen points obviously um, nine boards and ten blocks um, I mean we have been you know in the past you know pretty hard on him and you know for him to do that across you know twenty nine minutes in this game bringing that intensity not just I mean and then in the clutch I mean that one play he's got he's got to get back down the lane. And get to carry, and he blocks it. Um, you know, hats off to that kid, man. He's he's continued to develop. Um, you know, he's not quite, I think, the um, <laughs> the unicorn savior, so to speak, that a lot of fans maybe thought he was going to be, or thought he already was. But the dude has really settled nicely into the role of rim protector, of uh, you know, of of being a guy who can do a lot of different things. And I mean, obviously, if this team needs him, Dave. Did you foresee a triple double ish kind of performance coming um, from uh, from number thirty? No, I mean I knew he'd be extra motivated because you know he, he's played well against Duke. Um, and he played well down there against him. Like obviously he gets up for that game growing up going to Duke games. Um, I was a little, I was kind of concerned how he was how Virginia's going to be able to play Jay and Mamadi together against Vernon Carey, who is kind of like. I'm trying to think of a comp like, you know, he's almost like Travis Watson with a better offensive game as far as how quick he is off the floor and how he just grabs everything around him. Um, so I didn't know how Jay would handle that, but like, you're right. I mean, we've always been, I think, tougher on Jay than most, you know, Virginia you know, media, you know, my podcast or whatever. Um, some of that's because like, you know, Jay had struggles and I felt like other people didn't see it, but some of it, like honestly, Jay in the game, in the game Saturday night, um, was what other people were claiming he was when he wasn't. You know, <laughs> that's what they thought he was already. You know, trying to act like he was playing like that, but Tony was sitting him on the bench. Like that game, it's one of the best games from a big man like I've seen in Virginia in a, in a long time. You know, you know, offensively, I thought, you know, the defense obviously ten blocks, um, including the huge one to kind of seal the game, and you know, and not only the blocks like. The blocks, some of his blocks, you know, early in his career were because he was out of position, like, and had to just got kind of had to scramble back to help um, correct a mistake he had made. But he's just gotten more sound, like, to playing his role, and then and then going to get the block when when the shot goes up. And that, yeah, I think that's just experience and a testament to his improvement. And maybe it's because we were so hard on him for all these all this time. But <laughs> no, I didn't see it coming. And I thought he did a really good job kind of picking and choosing his moments Saturday night as well. And, you know, the dunk he had early on was pretty nasty. I mean, it reminded me of the, Duke he had, the dunk he had at Duke where he kind of took off from – drove from behind the three-point line and threw it down. Um, and then the alley-oop was that, – that 
play surprised me when on on the replay, kind of how smooth it was. So, I mean, it's just like it's another factor. And when anytime you can put up that kind of points for a team that only scored in the fifties, and you blocked, was it almost seventeen percent of Duke's shots he blocked in the game? Like, huh. that's, a good that's way crazy. To, that's a good way to frame it. Yeah, Duke is <laughs> yeah. eighteen of fifty nine from the field. Right. And he blocked ten of them. He blocked ten of them. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a good point. Um, all right, Ferber. So, so how do you, as we as we we start to transition to look forward? I mean, obviously, Jay Huff's not going to block ten shots per night, right? I mean, literally, this the only other person to ever do this is like the greatest player in school history, um, and an absolute just freak of nature, right? Um, double digit blocks is just not a thing. Um, that being said, how much of what you saw against Duke? is just Virginia being Virginia, how much of it is them improving in small ways. As you look forward, what what does that game, that result, whether it's Huff or, or anything else, how 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 does it move the needle for you? I, I honestly think that the biggest thing that it moves the needle for me is just the defense because um, if you look at UVA's losses, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I was kind of looking at it today, uh, a lot of their losses have come when they've given up more points than their season average, right? Which is no surprise. But, you know, they give up 70 to South Carolina. And I think a lot of that was because they turned the ball over a ton. Uh, They gave up, what was it, 70 or whatever it was to Purdue. Um, They gave up 80-something to Louisville. Um, You kind of see where I'm going with that. Um, I mean, it just, you know, like those games are outliers, but they were all losses. So uh, I think that being able to hold Duke to 50 points is pretty impressive. Uh, you know, the fact that it was a two point game speaks to UVA's limitations on offense, obviously, but, um, as much as UVA can dictate the tempo, I mean, like you look at last year's Duke UVA games, they were played in the seventies, right? Um, I think the first one was 72, 70 and the second one was like 81, 71 or something. Um, and obviously Duke had very, very good offensive players last year. But, I mean, UVA had a good defense last year, and they still, you know, Duke was able to score on them. And this year, I mean, it's not quite the same team, but they still have a lot of talent, and they still score a lot of points. Um, They have, uh, well, I think like four or five 30-point wins in ACC play, um, which is why they're still ranked high in Ken Palm, for people that keep asking that question. Um, Probably too high in Ken Palm for what it's worth. Yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, I think that the the ability to kind of like play the like that. I don't know if UVA. I said in the preview they probably needed to get into the 60s to win this game, but they wanted it in a way that they need to win it, which is just a grinded out, low scoring game, not a lot of possessions, take the advantage of when you can, score a lot of high possession or like you know high uh, percentage shots. I mean, if you look at what Jay Huff did on offense, like <laughs> he had 15 points and I think like six dunks or something like that. Like, I mean, almost all of his points were dunks. Um, I think he did hit a three. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it. you know, he that was the kind of game that he needed to have, and I, it was really good to see him do it. Um, I think Dave kind of hit it. Like, this is the player that we've been waiting to see, and he, he broke out in a big way. Um, I don't expect him to put this together on a nightly basis because some teams just aren't going to be great matchups. And I honestly think watching it back, like, UVA might be a little bit of a tough matchup for Duke just having the two bigs because, um, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the plays, like I said, to I mean, how many times did UVA dunk the ball with just the extra pass around the rim? Because you have multiple big guys that you have to worry about um, and a young defender who has to figure out what to do. Uh, but I think that 
you know, it was encouraging to see them be able to shut them down when they needed to. Um, they got a few big stops at the end. It wasn't just the block, you know, obviously Jones miss at the end. Um, the possession before that, they forced the jump ball. So, I mean, you know, it was, it was good to see them kind of make plays down the stretch where a lot of times against Duke, they just haven't been able to get the stops they need late in the game. All right. So let's transition over to what's going to happen, uh, tomorrow night in, um, Coral Gables Cavaliers, obviously on the road for the last time, technically at least on the road, um, to play in a, uh, an opposing venue. Um, they will play at Miami uh, tomorrow night, um, a 9 o'clock game, which I am going to rail against in a moment. Uh, Kim Palm has this as a 59-58 Virginia win. Miami currently 106th nationally, uh, according to Mr. Pomeroy. Um, not mu- I mean, I, I don't want to spoil the preview that folks will read at some point today, but not a whole lot there to love about um, – this Miami team, other than maybe the fact that the, the Hurricanes don't let you get to the free throw line much, um, it's a good thing, I guess, then Virginia's 249th in free throw attempts um, per game average. Um, I mean, listen, this is it, if you looked up trap game <laughs> in the dictionary, I feel like this would be, you know, just smiling very broadly at you. A nine o'clock tip in a, in a venue that doesn't, Expect I would not expect to have a whole lot of juice. It's not quite Connie Forum. It's like Connie Forum South, right? Um, no, no, um, no disrespect to the good people of Coral Gables. Um, it's like it's like the Connie Forum with Tommy Bahama shirts. Yeah, it's like when you and then you walk out and it's just humid. Um, but like this Miami team, not that. I mean, like I, I don't want to say they're not that um, impressive, but they're not that impressive, right? Like it's a it's a group that. Um, you know, they're top 70 in offense, but, you know, their defense is not very good. They've got essentially one really good player, one pretty good player, um, and a whole lot of pieces around them. Um, Chris Likes is going to be a heck of a matchup for Kihei Clark. But other than that, man, I'm not really sure uh, from the from the matchup standpoint why Virginia shouldn't win this game. It's, it's all the, the intangible stuff, right? The fact that it is a late tip, that it's an away game, that you're coming off of a big game against Duke. you got another big game at home. Um, I, I think this is the game where, because Ferber was kind of in a Twitter discussion about this today a little bit, like the idea that like Virginia is just not winning games by significant margins, right? Nothing is comfortable, right? They don't blow anybody out, and they really, when they win, they don't win comfortably, right? Um, this is the perfect opportunity to 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 put that on display. Now, realistically, like it doesn't really matter, right? As long as they win, and wins a wins a win. But I do wonder if we if we can maybe learn something about this team tomorrow night, uh, Dave. As you look into this matchup, uh, what are your concerns about the Hurricanes and, and going down there tomorrow night? I mean, you know, it's kind of a sandwich game between two big ones at home. You know, at home, obviously, um, we are tip Tom. What do you do? Do you get the Miami flu while you're down there? No, it's it's a little weird. Vegas has a line Virginia one and a half. Um, you know, can Ken Palm says it's a close game. BPI says it's a close game. So Virginia will probably come out and win by like 20. That's just the way the season has been. But now, I, it's going to be interesting to me. I'm a little concerned with, you know, a player like Chris Likes. Can he get Kihei into foul trouble? Because to me, like, if you can get Kihei to pick up a couple fouls and Virginia's got to run without him for a considerable chunk of a first half, like, I don't know what that offense looks like. And I don't really want to see for an extended period of time. Um, that would be my biggest concern. Like, how how does that matchup play out? And you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see you know 
Casey get a little more playing time and him trying to stop likes just to keep Kihei out of foul trouble. Um, but as far as the season, like, I mean, I expect a close game because that's what we've seen all year. Um, I mean, I'm a little concerned about it because the atmosphere is not there. But, you know, you've got Mamadi and Kihei who are kind of proven guys. I don't think they'll let the team take it lightly, especially this close to kind of the end of the year, the postseason stuff. But, yeah, you know, I think trap game is the right word for it. If if our team is good enough to have a trap game, um, no offense to the 13 and five who's, but um, <laughs> and and ranked and, and ranked 22nd. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just it's a weird game. I, I don't know, like if you if they lost to Duke, this game would be huge, right? Now I don't know if beating Duke at home, losing to Miami on the road, is going to be way worse than you know, you know would have been. I don't know that losing to Miami at home is going to hurt you as much now because you already beat Duke at home. Yeah, um, that's fair. So, I mean, maybe they move down. Like, I guess in the net, you just move one either way, right? So, um, that's just a net joke. But no. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I'm worried about it just because it's such a weird – that game is always weird, right? Um, and I think Virginia struggles in places where the crowd isn't big into the game. Like, they go into atmospheres like Louisville and show out. You know, they go into Boston College or – Georgia Tech or Wake Forest where there's not much of a crowd and they struggle. So that would be my biggest concern, that and foul trouble. Yeah, foul trouble is significant. I mean, I do think that this is going to be a game where, I mean, look, you're just if you're Miami, you're just going to be driving, doing everything you can to just get to the rim, and, and foul trouble I think is the is the thing. Um, I, I guess you, to, to, to some of your points there, I, I wonder – I don't necessarily think that Virginia's like – not going to take it seriously or isn't but I think that there's something that happens to this team when they're in tight games where they re, where they focus better like it's almost like um if you gave them a 12 point lead everything changes about them their body language the the way they run their sets and stuff like past Virginia teams wanted to like you know step on your throat right this one just seems like these guys play their best when the game is on the line not necessarily when they can put the thing away right it's almost like um you know, there's like a bat signal that goes up, right? Um, and I don't know how to explain it, um, but it's definitely there. Like, you can see it. I mean, just it's clear as day. Now, that's not to say that they have, because they have made a lot of plays in crunch time, doesn't mean they've made all of the plays. They certainly have, you know, taken a couple of these games that should have been easy and, and made them far, far too, uh, too tight. And uh, as somebody who owns a message board, I don't appreciate that at all. They could stop that. That'd be great. Um, but Ferber... I know you haven't, like you know, at least you haven't sent me the preview yet. But what do you? What's your general sort of take on the Canes, and and what's your um, breakdown of how um, Virginia? What what's Virginia got to do to win this thing? And don't say yeah, I mean they because <laughs> they've lost two in a row, but they have won three out of five after kind of starting off pretty rough. Um, they have some talent, you know. Chris likes like you mentioned, good player, uh, dangerous player. They also their their offense overall is you know, decent. It's not great, but it's, it's decent. Um, I believe, let me look it up. It's a, it's in the top 100, which is, you know, something, I guess, uh, Miami offense 65th. Um, so that's pretty good. Uh, their defense is pretty mediocre. Uh, but that offense, you know, that tells you that they're capable of scoring at some point. Um, you know, the, the, the same danger for UVA or the danger for UVA is the same as it always is. It's, if a team gets really hot, what are you going to do? Um, can you win a game where you have to score to keep up? Um, 
we haven't really seen them do that. I mean, they deserve, I think, you know, and this is where I think that there's the fallacy of the conversation around this team right now is I'm more impressed with what they did at Louisville losing than I am what they did in Pittsburgh winning. Um, I'm more impressed with what they did at Louisville losing than I am what they did in Virginia, in Blacksburg winning. Like, yeah, because I think that that was, they played better. Um, and the opponents better. Uh, the defense wasn't that great, but Louisville a lot had a lot to do with that. They just made a lot of shots. Um, Miami obviously is not them, but I mean, they could maybe get to 60 and, and I think really, <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. Um, it's just the way you but, said it was funny, but it's, it's funny because the, after with the Duke game and just looking at, um, how UVA got to the record they're at now, it sounds counterintuitive because the offense has been such an issue throughout the season, but I almost think that what they do is going to come down to how good they are on defense. Um, because the offense has really given you pretty much the same right. thing. It's kind of maxed almost out. Every, yeah, I mean, they're averaging 57 points a game. And if you look at it, I did the math earlier. Um, I think there's only like four games this season where they're like significantly like outside of, you know, 10 points either way of that. Um, the Louisville loss, the win over Boston College, um, the, you know, the second time they played. And then on the other end, it's like, you know, the main game, they scored like 46 points in a 20 point win. And, yeah. uh, and, and Purdue, they scored 40. So, I mean, like, you is know, that- those those games are kind of the outliers one way or the other. And every other game is like within 10 points of the average. So, I mean, the difference, it just as much of a difference is going to be what they do on defense because there's more outliers defensively from the defensive average. Cause I think they're allowing like 52 a game or something. There's more outliers on defense this year because they allowed like 80 to Louisville, 78 to somebody else or whatever. Um, the, the South Carolina game, they gave up a bunch of points. Purdue, they gave up a bunch of points. So I think there's actually been more outliers either way defensively than offensively. The offense is actually like more consistent. It's just not great, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I think it might have been bef- the week leading up to last week's podcast that I missed where we were talking about, you know, in our text thread, talking about the uh, Virginia's, what was different between the offense during the winning streak and prior to it. And right. Basically, they had one, if I remember correctly, there was one game prior to the winning, you know, not the winning streak, but the, were they eight and one, whatever it is in this non 10. I think they're nine and one now. Nine and one, yeah. Um, Yeah, they won nine of their last 10, 10 of their last 12. Yes. So leading into that non of last 10, like Virginia only shot over 40% from three one time, and that was against Navy, if I remember. And then during the streak, it was like six or seven. So, they weren't turning the ball over any less. They weren't making any, like, it's just they were making a couple more threes per game. And when your defense holds a team to, you know, <laughs> 55 <laughs> to 60 points a game, right? two threes is a huge Yeah, six, deal. eight points is a big deal. <laughs> and yeah. the turnover thing, you're right. I charted every game's turnovers earlier because I was just trying to figure something out. And uh, I, I'm weird like this. Um, yeah. And really, I mean, even when they've been winning, they've still turned the ball over a lot. They only have – this is – crazy to me considering how good UVA has done taking care of the basketball the last however many years I can't I don't have it in front of me so this could be a little bit off but it was like four of the 28 games they're under 10 turnovers yeah or something like that no, and it was like low. and it was like Navy Columbia and then uh, Louisville on the road it was like eight or something like that um I, I'm pretty sure that was one of them. And then Boston College, where they scored 78 points. Yeah. So, and I think Clemson actually was one of the games. 
Um, that was just a rock fight of a game. But that's what I mean. Like Those games are the ones where they actually did a little better on offense because they didn't turn the ball over so much. Um, you know, one thing I'd like to do like before we do the next podcast, I'm going to give myself some homework. Like I want to find out where Virginia rakes histor- historically like turnovers per game versus points allowed off for turnovers per game. It's got to be like, you know, you give up 14, whatever turnover was, was to Duke, and three points. Most teams, if they turn the ball over 14 times, are going to give up 14 to 20 points. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the way Virginia, like some of that's dead ball turnovers, like, you know, there's, there's good turnovers and bad turnovers. But but UVA is bad at the like, bad turnovers. That's the thing. Their yeah, but they still don't give terrible. up points. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's what's hilarious. Yeah. They should be giving up even more points off of turnovers. Yeah, that's crazy. But that's, yeah, that is a good point. I mean, like you look at that South Carolina game, they turned the ball over like 18 times. And I think South Carolina had a decent number of points off of those. So it's like, you know, yeah. that that was, and they gave up 70 points to a really mediocre team. So you can kind of see how it all fits together. Like, yeah, they turned the ball they, over. They, the margin for errors. So like, like Dave said with the, with the shooting, it's like all of the things kind of have to click into place just to be above average. Um, yeah, not even. Else. <laughs> Someone also needs to figure out Waldo's uh, shooting percentage with braids oh, and with no. uh, without braids. <laughs> I put that on when I put that on Twitter. I was like, yeah, either if he has a bad game, people are gonna. Be I like, mean, we saw him come out for warmups, and we kind of were like, uh oh. But there, yeah, <laughs> yeah. was joking. I feel like, like it like, started before braids, though. Uh, I think so. it, I think it was actually right after the braids. I'm pretty sure it was right after the braids. Um, a couple things. One is let us know, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, Kyle. Kyle knows all. Um, for me, it's like, listen. I don't I don't like to give, you know, these randos and my mentions during games much airplay because um, you know, the um the dudes who have no names, the crazy Sharons, whatever of the world, like it's 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 not productive. But I do think that there's this weird thing that happened this season where the same people who told me how bad UVA was very quickly turned into like people telling me how great they are. And I don't want to get down in the weeds and just say, hey, it's the difference of, like, four shots. But I kind of feel like it's the difference between four shots. Like, it's not rocket science, right? You know, their defense is good enough that even if they do turn the ball over, they're continuing to play pretty well. Um, Their offense is kind of maxed out. So the question is a handful of shots, right? Because a handful of shots doesn't change your offense dramatically, right? You know, it might move some percentage points, but it doesn't change who you are. Right, it's not. Well, the ten size emergence changed who UVA was because now they can run sides. Teams have to defend them differently. They can't just, you know, sag off. They have to actually get out to the to the line. Um, it certainly helps when Diakite or Huff are shooting threes. I mean, anything they can do. Right, this team has continually been the same team. It's just with a little bit extra oomph, both in terms of shooting the ball and in terms of you know making some plays late. But I do think that there's a function of like the only reason they're having to make those plays late is because they're not making more shots earlier, right? Um, certainly, they, they've executed well in spots. They, you know, it takes a lot of you know mental fortitude, I think, to to be able to to do this all the time. And I do think that at some point, after you do it a bunch, it becomes a trend, and that's just kind of who you are, right? Like, you know, we don't think Shaq um, shot poorly at the free throw line just because his percentage was bad. We thought we we saw it with our own eyes. We watched him, you know season after season try to tweak this and tweak that and it just looked bad right like that's i think the situation with uva this year is a sense of like that it's a it's a it's a good team their ceiling is not i feel like their ceiling is not that dramatically uh different than where they are and their floor is much lower 
but the ceiling relative to you know past teams or even really good teams this season, like that ceiling is still pretty low compared to you know what I'm saying. Does, am I making sense here? Like, if you compared where UVA can go, like think about it like this: what could they do to be better? Right. So you know, I think we all kind of feel like they're probably going to go to Coral Gables and get a win. So Saturday, if they play Louisville, when they play Louisville again, like what do you have to do if you're UVA to be better than you were when they? Uh, they lost 80 to 73 um, at the Yum Center, right? Louisville that day scored 1.2, excuse me, um, 1.36 points per possession. Okay. Um, that's a lot. That's for a people lot. People that don't follow that sort of stuff. But what's crazy is that UVA scored 1.24, which is for them right. like astronomical. It's a complete outlier. It, like it, against Duke, I think it was like 0. 0.8 yeah, or something. Hold on, like let me look. That. Against Duke, UVA's points per possession <laughs> was 0. 0.83. <laughs> Like that's a significant difference, right? So what? So what can they do? I mean, you could say like they can hit a few shots, right? They um, Virginia in that game against Louisville only had seven turnovers as a team. Now maybe the turnovers are that big a difference, um, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's the one thing they haven't done all season except for in that game. And if they just gave themselves a whole bunch of extra opportunities, you know, to score, they'd be better. Um, but realistically, like. What do you feel like, Dave, that you need to see from UVA to win for them to, 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 to pick them to win this game on Saturday? They're gonna need to make more stops, man. That's what we are. Like, you know, you can't expect the offense to be to be there. So like it was at Louisville. So I mean, that's what Tony's gonna tell you. We gotta Tony's not gonna talk about how good the offense was at Louisville. He's gonna talk about how bad the defense was. So it's gotta be being disciplined, you know, closing out on three point shooters. Um you know, protecting the rim and, and the home crowd. That's what Virginia does. That's the one thing they can control better than anyone in the country. You know, they're not they're not the offensive team they were last year. They're not someone who says, you know, we're going to be a lot more efficient on offense. They're going to buckle down on defense and, and see what happens. And I like their chances against Louisville just because, you know, at that point, you know, it's the last game at home for, for Mamadi. I mean, um, for Braxton, like it's going to be going to be a big game. And especially – I don't know. I, the offense is coming along enough. You know, they shoot better. They're they're making. I mean, what's the word I'm looking for here? They're making better decisions. I feel like, even though the turnovers are kind of st- still there, I feel like the offensive flow was better. They more guys seem to understand what their role is in the offense. They're pl- running it harder. So I think, like, just because of that, they're getting better shots. Even though the percentages kind of still fluctuate. You know, they're not taking terrible threes at the end of the shot clock like they were at points during the beginning of the season. So that will get marginally better, but it's defense. That that's what Tony Bennett's teams do, and that's what they do better than anyone. What do you think, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, I think that the best recipe for UVA and is basically to just hope that Louisville doesn't have the start that they had in the first game, right? Because, I mean, that that's one of the things that kind of gets lost in that game, I think, is that UVA was down like 16 points or something. Um, you know, it it wasn't like, oh, they just played a shootout the whole way. UVA outscored them by a considerable amount in the second half, at least until the very end where Louisville kind of pushed the lead back with free throws. But, I mean, UVA at one point, I believe, led by two. Um, so late in the game, you know, in like the last two minutes. So... I mean, they they hit a barrage of threes, but that on the counter, you know, like Louisville was really hot. UVA's shooting in that game was not 
sustainable. Like they couldn't repeat that what they did, and there's one reason why because one guy did all of it, and that one guy is is definitely Thomas Willis Hensai is definitely a key to what they're doing now. Like you said, they can run different things if he's hitting those shots, but he's not going to score 27 points probably again this season if at all in his career. Um, that was an outlier performance, and uh, that's no discredit to him. I mean, like that just. 27 point games with what seven made threes or whatever it was just don't happen very often in college basketball. Um, unless you're Carson Edwards. Um, but like if they can spread the ball around and get more people involved, Kihei had a really nice game against them in the first game. He had like, I think he had like 17 points or something. Um, so I believe he hit a career high too. him and Wilde Tensai both had career highs. Um, so I think if he can have another good game, that's great. Um, anything you can get from Mamadi and Jay, like you got the other night would be great. I think that they can definitely win the game. Um, and that's the thing with this team, you know, like they are what they are, but they're in every game, which is more than you can say for a lot of teams. And obviously we still have more games to go and they could be out of a game against Miami tomorrow night. Um, but I mean, so far at least they seem to be able to play up to the good teams with good defense and unfortunately played down to the bad teams um, by not being able to get away from them. So Louisville's a good team. So you think that they should be able to to play up to them. Ken Palm has it as a one point game. I was going to say, yeah, Ken Palm has the Miami game as it's a one, one point game. game. Yeah. He's got, he's got the, his number 16 team, sorry, his number nine team with a one with a 54% chance of winning at number 45, Virginia. And then he's got number 45 or excuse me, 44 Virginia, uh, with a uh, 54% chance to win uh, at 106 Miami. Right, uh, and that's all you need to know. Like, That's interesting. Uh, somebody tweeted Didn't... at me. It was like, that shows you that Ken Palm is broken because he has Louisville no. <laughs> uh, only favored by one. I was like, well, for one, a lot of UVA games are close, so that's part of it. Two, they also are a one-point favorite at number one or whatever Miami. <laughs> so it like the difference, I think people think that the gap – between where Louisville is in Ken Palm and where UVA is in Ken Palm is bigger because in the past it has been. This year it's not that big of a difference. And that's what people are getting caught up. They're like, UVA is ranked here. That's so far down. It's like, yeah, but these teams are all the same. Like, they're all about the same. Once you get past, uh, where's the cut line? You know, once you get past like Florida State, maybe, they all kind of become the same team. Like, it's just a bunch of the same. So they all have different resumes and different strengths and weaknesses, but. People get caught up in where UVA is compared to other people, and it's like the difference in efficiency is there is one, but I don't think it's nearly as big as it would have been, say, last year, where all of the one seeds were like very, very strong. Yeah, yeah. I was just looking at Kim Palm from last year, just you know that, that you know his rating, his adjusted EM, whatever. You know, Virginia finished first with thirty four point at, at a thirty four point two two. This year, Kansas is first at a thirty, which would have been good for third last year. Yeah, and, and, and in fairness, Kansas's will go up if they won yeah. a national championship because you'll yeah. beat good teams on the way there. Yeah. So, but if you look down, to but like, then nobody like, else is above twenty six point seven. Yeah. Like, there's like so, a big drop off after Kansas. Yeah. If you describe, let's just say twentieth in the Ken Palm last year um, at the end of the season was Kansas State at twenty, and twentieth in the Ken Palm this year is Penn State at nineteen before the run. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It does drop off quickly after that, though. Yeah, and and Uh, part of it, too, is like, I mean, I looked at this. I tweeted it earlier, but 
this is actually a stat that um, we talked about the 20 game thing, but I think this might actually be more indicative of where the ACC is and, and why they don't maybe get the respect or whatever. Part of it is the games are all coin flips. Like yeah. last year, 22% of the games were decided by 20 or more. 22%. This year, 11. That's a huge difference. And that's with more games. So, yeah. I mean, that kind of shows you like the, the parity is extreme. And, and, and the ACC, I think, is like the fifth. Like they're not like way up there in terms of like parity. It's like they're just right there with everybody else. It's not. Yeah. It's like that in the Big Ten. I mean, a lot of these teams are beating each other, but you know, it's they're all they're all about the same. Yeah. One last thing on the Louisville game before we leave that. Um, looking back at the first matchup, like we, we talk about it, like Virginia had this great game, but they had thirty points at the half, down fourteen. Yeah. That's like an average half for Virginia, like plus average, but still average. Yeah. Louisville just went off in the first yeah. half. And Virginia, but Virginia scored 40 points in the first 16 minutes of the second half to take the lead. That was your outlier. <laughs> you know, 40 points in 16 minutes for Virginia. Right. It's like, I don't know, 70 for a normal <laughs> offense. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they the were outlier. blistering hot to start the second half because they cut it from, I think they were down like 14 or whatever, like you 16, said, at half. Yeah, 14 at the half. And then yeah. they had it down to like six. It felt like within no time. It was like, oh, wow, they're like really back in the game. No, it took a while because Louisville kept making shots, but they made yeah. a run right, right before the, the, there was a, Virginia took a two point lead after the technical. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of went 70 to 68. I think Virginia took the lead. And then, yeah, it was a weird game. Yeah. But, I mean, with this team, it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't, just to get back to what Brad's larger point was about, like, where they are, I, I don't, it dep- like, in what prism do you want to view them? Because, like, if you're if you're saying, like, how far can they go in the tournament, they can win games in the tournament. I can promise you that. Loyola Chicago went to the Final Four two years ago. <laughs> Loyola Chicago. Does anybody know one player from that team or who their coach is? No. Other than they know about Sister Jean. Sister Jean, that was yeah, you, yeah, exactly. This is just two years ago. They were like an eleven. It was a double double machine, <laughs> and they were a pretty good team. They won yeah. like twenty five games. But I mean, you know, it's Loyola Chicago, right? Um, yeah. And you know, like, so yes, they can win games. But if you expect them to win games, that's on you because that's not smart. <laughs> like, hey, all I know is I told you guys weeks ago this team was going to make an elite rate. <laughs> this team's going to make a run to the elite eight and get smoked in that game. Yeah, they're gonna score eight. Yeah, score eight. <laughs> the elite eight point game. The elite eight point game. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like if you if you're going in like this team's going to the Sweet Sixteen, that's stupid in any year. Like, do you not remember the UMBC game? Like, <laughs> like that. Like weird stuff happens, and especially this year. Like, as much as we've gotten to this point where it's like there's gonna be a crazy year, and I actually do think I would not be surprised if there is like some twos losing the fifteens and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, like you're telling me, like a seven seed UVA can't lose to a ten seed, I don't know, Indiana or something. <laughs> like it's a very weird thing because the seven seed UVA is as likely to lose to like some double digit seed as seven seed UVA is to like saw through a bunch of people. You know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, yeah, I think Dave said it, but it's like if you win that first game, then it's like now you're playing with house money. Now and you're then all, just, yeah, you're playing as if you are right. That's a good point. And then yeah, you're the underdog after the first game. If you're not the underdog in the first game, and then it's like okay, now you can now you're just gunning to upset someone with no like there's no. Uh, Nobody's going to fault you for losing that sort of thing. Yeah. I think traditionally, if you're in a position kind of where Virginia is right now in the, in the tournament, you know, selection process or whatever, uh, seeding, 
I think you're trying to get off the eight nine line. Like if there's a year to fall eight nine for me, it's this year. Like if you say, hey, you got to be eight nine one out every ten years, I would pick this year because there's not a one seed out there that scares me. And I'd love to be an eight seed Virginia who, who I'd be more worried about the non game because you're not playing with house money than I would against you know the number one because you're probably getting like a Dayton or a San Diego State Gonzaga like. You know, Gonzaga would scare me the most out of those, but you know, Virginia's beaten teams better than them um, you know, over the course of the last two years. So it's it's an interesting year. Like uh, seven, probably seven or six of the seeds that scare me the most because I think they'll get a really good team that has no fear of Virginia. Yeah. Um, Silence. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm just I, I'm trying my my brain. I'm still trying to wrap my head around like how to look at the NCAA tournament. Right, because like for a long time there, it was like, okay, this is going to be a year where we're going to do a lot of stuff about is Virginia going to be in the tournament, right? Well, clearly then now they're in the tournament, right? And so now it's like, okay, but how do I fr- like? I- I'm still trying to wrap my mind around like what expectations will be, and part of that is like how the next week plays out, and realistically how Greensboro plays out, right? Like, so not just this week, but next. But man, it's uh, it's a very weird year in a variety of ways, and I didn't think it could get weirder. But Virginia winning ten of twelve. The last six in a row. I mean, if they if they were if they really do, I guess we should talk about the the seeding situation and and the ACC regular season. Um, let's say they beat Miami and they beat Louisville, right? They they end the season on an eight game <laughs> on an eight game heater. Um, they upset two top you know fifteen ish teams, right? In the process, um, I would imagine Ferber, you're gonna have to sound off here real quick. What's their um, situation if they were to beat Louisville? I guess we need to wait and see what Florida State does, but essentially they'd be the two, right? When they'd be the two seed in that scenario, likely. If they win both of their games, they're, yeah, and, and they and, can't be lower than two. And one is, I honestly don't, um, I don't think that there is a scenario where, and I haven't crunched the numbers on this. I don't think there's really a scenario for the one seed other than Florida State losing out. Um, because if you're in, because you're in a tie with Louisville, no matter what, they only have one game left, and then it's like Florida State wins any tiebreaker in a three-way tie because they beat Louisville twice. Right. So that helps their like combined tiebreakers and all that. So I don't. I think two would. I mean, they can't fall lower than two if they went out. If they lose again, then they're probably the four, unless North Carolina beats Duke. Um, all right. Well, I didn't want to so, get into all that. I was just, I was just two, working, two or four. I was two just working four. on this. I was like, let's say they win both, right? So then they're yeah, going to be the two. Say they win both. And they, yeah. If they win the both, they're going to be the two likely, and then there's an outside chance if Florida State loses out that they're the one. Yeah, very outside. Very chance. outside chance. Okay. So uh, essentially, the two seed on an eight game heater going into the ACC tournament, right? They would be on the opposite side, obviously Florida State, um, but you'd probably have to assume that they'd have to beat Louisville likely, right. To get back to the um, championship game. Yeah. I mean, they'd have to win their first game first, which I don't know. Yeah. No, no, I'm I'm certainly not taking that for granted. I'm just trying to look at the big picture. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at it big picture wise, I think UVA, if you just looking at the numbers right now, I think it's unlikely that UVA and Duke are on the same side just because I think one's the three, one's the four, one's the two. I think, just the way it falls, like I don't think they'll be on the same side. I think UVA's partner will probably be Louisville. Um, that's just my guess. If they lose a game, then it'll probably be Florida State. Right. Um, I just, I just, it's going to be very weird, <laughs> very weird tournament that could could be 
quick and it could take forever. I feel like the seeding for the, especially for the top four matters not at all this year. Yeah. Like, agreed. like it's not like, Oh man, the four seeds got to go through UVA or the four seeds got to yeah. go through Duke. Yeah. Like, nah, <laughs> like none of that matters, just throw right? them all in a pot. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> this is a year where you could draw it like soccer tournaments, draw it, just like draw teams against each other randomly and just be like, this is the tournament now. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was looking at it today and it was like, okay, so the pit wake winner would play Notre Dame and then, UVA would get the winner of that game. And I was like, you know, as it stands today. But there's so many things that have to go into this because I think if I remember correctly, like normally like UVA had the one seat locked up last year, this time, um, like no team in the league has any seed locked up at this time. Right. Not one. Not to mention, you've got one, two, three, four, four teams that, uh, with nine losses right there in the middle of the pack. Yeah. It's just a huge mess. Like, that's what I mean. Like, there's not a lot of people will be like, I had somebody ask me, what, who, who should we root for, NC State or Duke? And I was like, well, Duke loss helps UVA in the standings, but honestly, I don't really think any of this stuff matters because it's just like the the teams are also in flux. Like, the team that I would want to avoid in the from that second group of teams, the teams you just mentioned, like those eight, nine loss, ten loss teams, would be NC State um, because I think they can punch up and get teams. Clemson, I'm not as worried about because they haven't proven they can do it away from home. So good point. But I yeah. mean, like what they, the hell? they have yeah. beaten what the top three teams in the league. Yeah. So yeah, what are we? All, all I find myself thinking right now is trying to remember where I was in my brain last year this time. <laughs> where you like, were in your year, brain? It, it, we were, it was lemon booty like season. It was lemon booty. Yeah, I was going to say you was. were stressed. I promise you, every, you were stressed. Every Virginia fan was stressed. Yeah, it was right like, now. hey, we got to get back to the tournament. We got to, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I remember those Another conversations. Another great regular season. Whip de doo. I I really <laughs> wish that I could search back in our text thread to what our texts were like the day of the Gardner Webb game. I mean, sometimes you guys go in your own little working. thread. Well, I know. But I was like in some, a casino. Oh, that's right, you were. Um, yeah, all right, yeah. well, wait, we well, can't. I was like, wait, literally, wait, wait, wait. I told my buddy, I was like, I'm not watching the second half if they go down. If they're down like 15 and a half, I'm not watching. <laughs> I'm not watching. Listen, uh, let's say, let's save that uh, retrospective for uh, the week of the tournament once we figure out what the bracket is and everything. Um, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it for tonight. Um, obviously, we will be back next week, um, early in the week, before Ferber and I descend on Greensboro um, to. Um, cover the tournament we'll be back to to preview that and kind of talk a little bit about the way this week went uh if you had to guess would you think they're going to split let's just real quick i i do, ferber what do you think you, you think one win one loss this week yeah yeah i i mean i think that two wins is probably more likely than no wins um but <laughs> i think that i would say one and one's the most likely you know 50 percent, 25 percent chance of two and oh something like that i don't okay. know For, uh dave what do you think yeah, uh, yeah, probably, probably one and one, probably the reverse of what we, what, you know, probably lose at Miami when it win Louisville. <laughs> but that's if what they, they lose. Do. If they lose at Miami, just lay all your money on UVA to win Saturday. Uh, I think they're going to go two and zero. So there you go, boom. Um, if you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows. Um, also, if you're so inclined, a rating or review helps to get us out of more, front of more people. If you are someone who's found the pod but hasn't given us a look at the website yet, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Let's see, right now I've got uh, – what do I have? Uh, I've got a looking ahead. It's, there's a thing called football. Spring football will be here on March 23rd. Um, three redshirt freshmen that I'm excited to watch this spring. Um, I, I kind of wanted to just get out of the you know basketball-only you know kind of rut. 
Um, but I've got uh, a story with a lot of good quotes from the kids uh, following the Duke game uh, about them making that push toward the ACC, uh, up, up the ACC standings. I've also got a column from Monday talking about them um, continuing on their heater. And then I've got some video on the site of Jay Huff talking about his monster game um, against his hometown Blue Devils. <sighs> All right, what else? Um, uh, let's see. Um, if you have not yet, check out the Fanatics link. It's in your podcast app of choice right now or on the content item for this web- uh, for this website, for this episode. Anything that you purchase to that link doesn't have to be UVA. goes to support the site, and we appreciate that. Uh, speaking of support, lastly, I want to thank Thorium Wealth and Second String Sports for their support of the show and of the pod. Visit Thorium Wealth online at thoriumwealth.com, T-H-O-R-I-U-M, wealth.com, and secondstringsports.com, second with a two. And again, I want to thank everybody out for continuing to support the show. Thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. We're glad that Dave returned because, um, you know, and then that the uh, the flu didn't get him. Um, and we will be back with you next week. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.